Of all the passages in Scripture that describe our relationship with God, Psalm 23 is by far one of the clearest and the most comforting. King David wrote this psalm reflecting on his life as a young shepherd. He was responsible for tending his father's sheep. And as he remembered the experience, he was inspired by the living God to see himself as a sheep and the living God as his shepherd. This theme of God as shepherd and Israel as his sheep echoes throughout the whole Old Testament. Moses was a shepherd when God called him to lead his people out of bondage in Egypt through the desert and towards the promised land. In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11, he writes, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Jeremiah 31 verse 10, he who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 11, I myself will search for my sheep and look for them. And then comes Jesus in John's gospel, particularly John 10. And he says, I am the good shepherd. It's an audacious claim. Jesus sees himself as the living God in our flesh who seeks those who are scattered and lost, gathers us together into one flock, and then takes care of us. When Jesus looked out at the great crowds who were gathered around him, the gospel writers tell us that he had compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed, like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd is not a good scenario. Here are a few facts about sheep. They are very social creatures. They, they stick together in community. They're easily frightened. They have no means of self-defense, and they can be easily killed by predators. They have little discernment to know where to find good food and clean water. They don't like to be sheared or cleansed. I don't know what that says about us. And of all the livestock, they need, they need the most care. And the biggest fact of all, the, the most important fact, is that sheep must have a shepherd to guide them, or they'll wander off and they'll get lost. They don't, they don't intend to get lost. Uh, they're, they're led by their appetites. They go from one clump of grass to another clump of grass to another clump of grass, and without noticing it, they're, they're separated from the flock. And if they can't find their way back, then their experience is harassed and helpless. Another version says mangled and cast down. It's a picture of a, sh a sheep that has been hurt and is having trouble walking. Sometimes it can feel like we are just limping along, separated from people, lost and alone. Well, Jesus sees us. He knows what we're going through. And his posture is to seek after us and to find us. And when he does... He brings us back into fellowship with himself and with God's people. This morning, we're going to be reminded of what happens when we come under the care of our good shepherd through the lens of Psalm 23. I'm going to make seven observations. They're, they're very quick, so don't freak out. Seven is the perfect number. 
Observation number one, Jesus, our good shepherd, provides for us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Now, I used to think that green pastures was like a sign of abundance. But then as I read about this passage, uh, I, I read how in the areas around Jerusalem, the hillsides and, and a lot of the country, uh, it's mainly dirt and sand. It's a very desert area. Um, there's not a lot of lush green grass, but when it rains, which doesn't happen very often, or when there's dew first thing in the morning, it can provide enough moisture for a little bit of grass to grow. It's not a lot of grass. It's just like little sprigs of grass, but it's enough for the sheep to take a bite and then walk a little farther and take a bite. The shepherds would lead the sheep to find these sprigs until there was enough food to feed each of the sheep. It's not a lot of grass, but it would be enough for each day. And this is, in one sense, how Jesus shepherds us. He gives us our daily bread. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. He calls himself the bread of life. Now, it's important to see that hungry sheep wander. Well-fed sheep lay down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So even though there's, there, there might not seem like there's a, a lot of food, it's enough. It's enough to satisfy our souls, even though Jesus might only give us just a little bit of this spiritual bread that we need day by day, it's enough to satisfy our spiritual hunger. Observation number two, Jesus, our good shepherd, restores our souls. How? By leading us beside still waters, or some versions say quiet waters. Our souls are uh, not this thing that we have that kind of, you know, separates from us when we die. Our, Our souls are the whole of who we are. We don't have a soul. We are living souls. When God created Adam, he formed him from the ground. He breathed his breath into Adam's nostrils, and Adam became a living soul, a living nephesh. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my nephesh, my whole being. Sheep cannot drink from raging, fast-moving waters. They need still waters. Water is a symbol of God's Spirit. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The water I give him will become a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Jesus leads us beside still waters so that we can drink, and he restores our souls. Observation number three. Jesus, our good shepherd, leads us in paths of righteousness. Righteousness has to do with right relationships. Jesus is leading us into a right relationship with God the Father. He's leading us into a right relationship with the earth, with others, and with ourselves. We we might not be in a right relationship in these four different directions right now, but Jesus is moving us in this way. He's leading us in this way. 
Is there something getting in the way of your relationship with God? Then we are invited to confess it. He's already forgiven us through what he's done on the cross. And now we have a choice. We can turn away from everything we know that's wrong and seek to be reconciled with him. How can we be better stewards of God's good creation? One way of helping us move in this direction of caring for the earth is to connect with, well, Chris Nanda here in the church, or, or the organization called Arasha, Aroka. I'm saying it wrong. The idea with this organization is that they are here to help the church better understand how we can take care of God's good creation. When it comes to relating well to others and to ourselves, Jesus has forgiven us so that we can forgive others and so that we can forgive ourselves for the things that we've done wrong. Jesus, our good shepherd, leads us in passive righteousness. Why? For his namesake. Jesus is glorified through us as we relate in healthy ways to the Father and to the earth and to others and to ourselves. And so he empowers us to move in these directions. Observation number four, Jesus, our good shepherd, protects us from darkness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shadow of death is the Hebrew word salmawet, which literally means darkness, the valley of darkness. Sheep are hesitant to move towards darkness and enclosed areas. So when the flock approach a valley that's dark, they need encouragement from the shepherd to walk through. The shepherd's rod and staff were tools that were used to keep the flock together and to ward off any predators. The valley of darkness is a way of describing anything that can cause us to feel disoriented or confused or afraid. That's why we so often hear Psalm 23 at funerals. Death is our ultimate enemy, the ultimate evil. The important thing to note is that the shepherd leads sheep through the dark valley. Whatever dark valley that we are facing right now or we will face in the future, Jesus is going to lead us through it. He's with us. If there are threats, he will protect us. If we get scared and we try to run away, he'll, he'll reorient us and bring us back together. He'll comfort us by his words. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. He says it six times just so that we would, so it would sink in. We learn to distinguish Jesus' voice the same way that we distinguish anyone else's voice, through exposure. The more time we spend with him in prayer and, and listening to him through his word, the easier it will be to recognize what he's saying when we're in situations that make us afraid. Jesus protects us in the darkness, and he intends on walking us through the darkness where is he leading us? To the table. Observation number five, Jesus, our good shepherd, invites us to the table. You, pre you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup runs over. Notice the change of location. Verses 1 to 4, David is imagining the life of a shepherd tending his sheep. He's walking in the wilderness. Now in verse 5, he imagines entering God's house to a table that's already been prepared with food and a cup that's overflowing with drink. He's anointed with oil, which is a symbol of God's presence. And yet, all this is happening in the presence of enemies. This sounds a lot like the Last Supper. Jesus had gathered with his disciples in the upper room somewhere in downtown Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Mary had anointed his head with expensive perfume prior to this gathering, and the smell would have lingered as Jesus broke bread. He gave thanks, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks, and said, Drink this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. All this Jesus did in the presence of enemies. Judas Iscariot had left to betray him. Jesus knew that he would be arrested, beaten, mocked, crucified, and then die to save humanity from sin, evil, and death. When we come to the table, we are reminded of how our good shepherd laid down his life for us. And because of what he's done, our cups overflow. We are blessed by God's presence. And we get to share in fellowship with the living God together. And this leads to observation Number six. Actually, there's only six observations. Sorry. Seven is still the perfect number. Observation number six. At the table, in God's presence, we gain perspective. King David pictures himself at the table in God's presence, and he contemplates his past and his future. He says, Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word mercy is the word hesed. Carolyn and I have the word hesed etched on the inside of our wedding rings. It means unfailing love, never-ending love within the context of a, of a covenant. God's love for us, manifested through Jesus Christ, will never change. His love for us is stable and constant. It will never be broken. And when we choose to follow the good shepherd, and then you look back on your life, you will see goodness and hesed following you all the days of your life, even though you may need to walk through a dark valley every once in a while, or maybe for a long time. Even though you come up against evil, even though you might be surrounded by enemies and need to live in tension for a while. Friends, Jesus, our good shepherd, seeks to bring lost sheep back into the fold, and as we follow him, he is with us, providing for us, restoring our souls, protecting us, leading us deeper into fellowship with the living God, And he's gone ahead of us to prepare a place in his father's house. And he will gather us together 
along with all of those who've already passed into glory. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.